Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Robert Santiago. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. All right. Oh, thank you. I hadn't even said anything yet. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for the warm welcome. I am at home. This is my home. For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Robert. I've been coming here for, I don't know, like two lifetimes now. Um, no, I think it's like, I don't know, 17 years? 16 years? I almost got that right. So 16 years I've been coming here. I came here when I was 18 years old. Or 19. I don't know. I can't keep track. Just don't trust anything I say tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. What do you got up there, huh? They're just throwing anybody up there. No, um, been here a long time, but, uh, uh, you know, last year, I preached four times last year on this stage. So I don't know what's going on, man. It's too early. I'm gonna, at the rate we're going, I'm going to be up here like six times, eight times this year. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's claiming it, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, I have a, a sermon that I wrote for you guys. I, I promise I'm not going to keep you too long, just as long as the Spirit wants to keep you here. All right? Um, I, I'm going to just pray and open up, and I'm just going to let it loose, all right? So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I ask that your Spirit would come here, Lord, that it would greet me, Father God, and it would use me, and that it would touch other people, Father, that everything that I mention here today would be your words, Father, and not mine, Lord, that you would use me as your vessel, Father God, I pray that you would touch people, that they, we, that they would feel challenged by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about the theme, Unplugged, I like it, okay? Uh, I really like the theme, uh, I think it's vital for today. I think we just have a lot of distraction in our lives, okay? And whether it be you're distracted by social media, you could be distracted by your work, your finances, your relationships, the distraction is there, okay? It doesn't mean you don't have to be of a certain age. You don't have to be uh, in a certain financial group. You can be distracted regardless of what your, your class is or how you classify yourself. It doesn't matter what title you have. You can be distracted. Now, here's the thing. The reason we're distracted is because we like to be connected, okay? We like to be connected to people. We like to be connected to the internet. We like to be connected at our job, right? And a lot of times, we jostle for position and relationships, right? You guys ever been part of like a, a, a friendship crew? You know, it's just like a, maybe a handful of guys or gals, and all of a sudden, you know, you had kind of one leader, and then, you know, a year later, a new leader's kind of rising up, you know? I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, I guess, but that's kind of how it happens, right? And then you start talking about each other, and I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking of that, what was that movie, Mean Girls? Right? Have you ever seen that movie, Mean Girls? There's a lot of truth to that movie, though, in relationships, you know? And, and we, we could do that. We like to be connected, right? We like to be in the know, right? For example, there's a Laker game on, on right now. I'd like to know what's going on. It's just not happening. Phone's in airplane mode. iPad's in airplane mode. I'm not going to have any distractions, right? 
But we like to know, we like to know things. We like to hear things. We like to, because we feel like if we know something, we can position ourselves in a better manner, whatever, you know, whatever we're trying to do. But all these things bring like a security to us. You know, we feel like if we hang out with this group of people or we're in this social media group or we just feel connected and it, and it gives us a sense of security when in reality, God wants to be your security. You know, it, is, it doesn't have to be anything that the world tells you it needs to be, right? It, it, it's got to be God. And that's what I really want to talk to you guys about tonight. So I titled the sermon, The Tolerance of Salvation, okay? It's called The Tolerance of Salvation, okay? But the enemy is constantly trying to distract you in order to suffocate your spirituality, okay? Our spirituality shouldn't be taken as something like it's an added feature in our life, or that it's a certain time period in our life. Our spirituality is sacred. In other words, it goes on for an eternity, so therefore it should be a priority. Can I get an amen? If it goes on for an eternity, it probably should be a priority. Amen? So I remember when I was in college, I got into C.S. Lewis. Have you ever read his book? Amen. Somebody read his books. Yes. C.S. Lewis, Okay. He wrote books back in the 1940s. Specifically, he's famously known for mere Christianity. But he wrote a book that not many people know about, and he wrote it in 1942, and he called it The Screwtape Letters. It's the weirdest book, okay? But I'm going to try to get this right because it's so weird, okay? It's about demons. It's specifically about a uncle demon mentoring a nephew demon, There is also a person that the demons are trying to get to. He is known as the patient. Think about that. He is known as the patient, okay? And what their job is is to torment the patient and make sure he doesn't increase in spirituality. So the uncle writes these letters of mentorship to the nephew as he goes to the patient and tries to torment him. And it's a heavy book, if you really think about it. You're looking in at letters, and in those letters, I don't have any, I don't want to scare you guys. I actually want to challenge you guys. Go take a look at it. It's not a scary book, but it's kind of like, it's one of those things that gets you to think that the enemy has a strategy, okay? And he's strategically trying to bother you, the patient. You are a patient, okay? And the patient needs help. You ever see a patient that didn't need help? But they think that you need their help. See, that's, that's what the enemy's going to try to do. The enemy's going to try to make you think, hey, I have what you need. Okay? When God has what you need and it's all there, all the joy, all the mercy, all the salvation, the Satan's going, you know what? You don't need any of that. I got what you need right here. And so our lives are built around us trying to fight off the enemy. I shared this with my, uh, with my Bible study this past Friday. It's just a quick little story. I had just bought, an, uh, I, I bought some property, and I needed to cut the rose bushes and make them look nice. I, it started to bother me. I'm not a green thumb type guy. I'm a nerd. Okay, for those of you that didn't know that. Okay, but I said, you know what? I got to learn how to do this. I got, kinda, I got a little yard I got to take care of. And I, it's a small yard. I have three palm trees, baby palm trees, and I got like two rose bushes. Okay? Now, I never taken care of the rose bushes, but they started to get old. Like, some of them just, they didn't look pretty. 
Like there was one, like maybe two good flowers in there trying to look pretty, right? But I was like, man, how do I make this? Do I got to go get some soil? Do I got to go get that special seed to make it, you know, like grow faster and prettier? And I'm like, let me try watering it. I found out that it wasn't the water, it wasn't really the seed, but it was the, the rose bush was being suffocated by dead roses. And it wasn't until I began to trim the dead roses off that t- literally it took like a day or just two days, immediately all these flowers sprung up. It wasn't until I started to take off the dead things. And, and when I think about the theme unplug, that's really what we're doing is we're taking off all that suffocation. Okay, when you trim off the dead stuff in your life, you're going to grow. Okay? If you don't, go ahead, you can clap. If you don't take care of the dead stuff in your life, it's going to suffocate you and you won't be able to grow. You're not going to be able to do the will of God. Or the will of God is not going to be attractive to you. You guys with me? Because that's what it's about, amen? It's about the will of God. We unplug not because we're going to make more money. We unplug not because we're going to get a title in the church. We unplug because we want to do the will of God. Amen? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes this. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. If you guys didn't know, you are made of flesh and spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Whoa, think about that. Intelligent design. They're in conflict with each other, so you're not to do whatever you want, right? It's going to be a battle. It's almost as if God set us up that way. He wants us to put our trust in him to suppress the flesh. That is a battle that has been designed. You are a part of that battle, and you need to fight it. Amen? How many soldiers do we have in here? All right, okay, there's a lot. That's good. Just want to make sure I'm in the right church. Okay? So it's not a balance, though. It's a common misconception. Oh, we got to balance our flesh and spirit. No, because that implies that, well, you know, we are allowed to play in the flesh. No, you're not. You're to suppress it completely. It's not a balance. You are to be led by the spirit, never by the flesh. Okay? So now I'm going to get to what Jesus said, and that's what I really want to talk about. Jesus, because that's why we're here, right? But in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus gets a little upset. It's not all unicorns and rainbows with him sometimes. I'm just setting that tone. He gets upset. There are some things that bother him. So he was bothered in the scripture. You can go ahead and put it up. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. I'm going to say that again. You should have practiced the latter, without neglecting the former. In other words, you are required to do everything out of righteousness. Let me explain this to you. If you're sitting in here right now and you have a hard time lifting your hands, but you don't have a hard time giving to the Lord, you are out of balance. Your faith is a little messed up. If you have a hard time, you know, reading your Bible, but you don't have a hard time lifting your hands, you're a little bit out of balance. In other words, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. That righteousness you should want to give. You should want to read. You should want to do all those things that glorify God and then provide righteousness. 
It's not a, oh, okay, I'm doing good. I paid enough tithes this month. God's going to bless me. I'm good. I don't need to raise my hand. I don't need to open my Bible. False. Completely false, okay? There is no in-between. We are commanded to be righteous, not a partial righteousness, okay? It's not a partial righteousness. It's a full righteousness. If you're going to say you love the Lord, then you have to show it. All right? Actions are important. You can't just say, oh, I love God. You know, I, I watch him online all the time. What is that, on the God channel? <laughs> God network, you know? Go to church. You should want to go to church. That sets up red flags for me. Oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, what church you go to? Oh, I go to this one and um, on Easter and Christmas. I go, oh, hold on, dude. Let's do an altar call right now. Something ain't right. You need to be in church. You should want to be in church. If you don't want to be in church, you need to check yourself. Don't waste anybody, everybody's time. Don't waste your own time. You should want to be here. Come here with a purpose. Don't come here just to give a high five and smile at somebody. You know, smile at God. Give him a high five. Amen. And Romans 10.10, Paul writes this. He says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Again, there's two things going on there. There's two things going on there. Yeah, okay, for it is with your heart that you believe in justi- and are justified, and, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Okay? You, you just can't believe it. you got to speak it. Do you know that? you got to live it out. In other words, there's some physical activity there that needs to take place. You know, sometimes we get so reserved, you know, so coddled and reserved. Like, oh, well, I feel God in my heart. You know, I love him. But then, you know, you can never tell. You're not doing anything for God. Let me tell you something. I don't have this in here, but I thank God for my ministries. They stress me out so much. But I love it. I love it, man. I, I, I'm not here to brag, but I, I, I think about, like, Yesterday I taught, today I preach, Friday I'm going to teach again. Praise God. What a waste, like, what else would I be doing, right? What a great balance there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I go to work and there's a bunch of heathens, you know. You know, I try to be a good example. But God's got me in his word, like, several, you know, all the time. He's just got me in his word studying. And I'm like, man, if I didn't have these ministries, what really would would I be doing all this? Would I be blessed like this? Would I, would I be, you know, would I want to go to church? In other words, get some ministries, guys. They'll keep you in line. You know, and then you start looking at people differently. You say, look, I got to do it right because they're going to listen to me. Or I got to read the Bible because I'm going to get asked questions. I got to do these things right because people are counting on me. It's accountability that brings about righteousness. It's not accountability to put a rule book in front of you and say, look, no, you can't do that. Or no, you have to act this way. No, you should want to be a certain way because the word is within you and that righteousness is it's just seeping out of you. You should want to be here. In other words, it's not only a belief, but it's also the action to that belief. It's what makes salvation real. 
And it's where everybody sees it. Not everybody could see in your heart, but if they see you working for the Lord, if they see you smiling, if they see you constantly ministering to people, it's going to encourage others. In other words, it could be just like we're all one big rose bush. We need to strengthen each other. Amen? And if somebody's feeling down and out, we got to fix it. We don't just ignore it. Amen? Go to pastor. No, help somebody out. Amen? Jesus wants well-rounded faith, not weak faith. You know, somebody, ask yourself, is my faith weak right now? You know, if you're deficient in prayer, if you're deficient in his word, if you're deficient in worship or giving, then you're deficient in your faith. You need all of it, not just some of it. Oh, I did this much, so I'm entitled to this. That's not how it works. I always say this, his ways are not our ways. Okay, that's not how it works. Lord, I gave so much. I gave, you know, I gave all this money. You got to bless me now. No, he doesn't. You're in debt already. You got it all mixed up and wrong. Amen. Lord, I worshiped you last week. I can take the next couple weeks off. Or you know what? I did worship. I felt God touch me. I can wait till next year to get another. I remember when I got saved, I, I, I was like, look, I know there's the Bible. But is there like another instruction booklet? Is there something else here that I could look at that maybe give me some, because some of this stuff is boring, you know? I, 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 that's, what, that's what I thought, you know? I, you know, let me ask you something. If you got the instruction booklet, would you even read it? Because in the Bible, Paul gives us a ton of tips. New Testament's your instruction booklet right there. You get saved, get in that New Testament right away. You're going to hear about this guy named Jesus in the next four books. It's not boring, I promise you. He starts doing a lot of things. But Apostle Paul gives us some tips even after the Gospels. He starts writing these letters to people that are just like you and I, people that are struggling, people that are weak, people that are not in the right place. Some people are doing well. Amen? They're chasing, they're, they're starting churches. Again, it applies for today, folks. Okay? Just because it's old or it looks old or... An old book doesn't mean it doesn't work today. It's a living text. It's not going to go away. It's, it's not going to change. The message is there, and it's practically written in stone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul writes this, But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, and uh, an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Here's a tip from Paul. Why? Because your salvation is sacred. That's a scary thought, right? Paul's worried here about people's salvation. He understands that Jesus doesn't really tolerate much. Your salvation doesn't really tolerate much. People can influence you in a negative way. Amen? Again, a lot of people think that Jesus is like this, uh, this genie, right? We could just ask him for anything. But in reality, he gets disappointed in us sometimes, okay? And um, his expectations are extremely high. And they're like that on purpose, okay? And here's why. Here's why his expectations are so high. In Romans chapter 1, here's another tip from the Apostle Paul. He said, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator 
who is forever praised. Amen. The scariest part of that is verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over into their sinful desires. In other words, if you really want sin in your life, go get it. I'm not going to force it on you. It's not how I work. If you want sin, God's going to say, go get it. You keep doing those things or you keep chasing the wrong things, Jesus is going to say, all right, go ahead, fine. I'll give you that. That's what you want? Go ahead and get it. But there's consequences. Okay, there's consequences to that. It doesn't mean, oh, go get it and I'll get you in heaven. That's not how it works. Okay, he's saying, look, go ahead, fine. You want that? Go ahead and get it. Watch what happens. And it's so important for us to not forget that, right? That people are trying to influence you into that sin. It's easy. As a matter of fact, sin is the easy way out. The hardest thing to do is, is sometimes is, is staying faithful, staying clean, staying pure. You know, that's the hardest thing to do. But if you have a church and you have ministries, it gets easy because you're surrounded by people that are going to help you. Amen? And you're surrounded by people that influence you, that encourage you, that lift your spirit. Church shouldn't be a place of competition. It shouldn't be a place where, you know, oh, you know, I'm better than so-and-so, or why did they get to preach, or why did they get to go on the platform? It shouldn't be like that. If it's like that for you, you got to change that. I'm going to tell you some things that Jesus said that make me cringe. Okay? Well, I, I'm, I don't have a ton of time. Oh, i got some time still. It's okay. Doubles is 40% off. You'll be fine. Okay? <laughs> but Jesus said some things, man, and I tell my Bible study this all the time, and he says things that just, woo, man, it's like, come on, man, really? We got to do that? That's hard, man. Nobody said it was easy, though. When he was on the cross, he said it was going to be easy? Because he knew he was going on the cross. You guys didn't know that. John chapter 16, the upper room, he knew he was going. He knew it was going to be hard. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. Jesus says some things. I was like, man, you need to chill, man. Check this out. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Sound like us, huh? Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever we go. Don't worry about it. I got you. Then look what Jesus says. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Automatically, Jesus is like, look, man, it's not that glorious. You're going to follow me. You're not going to have, like, this nice big bed and, this, you know, you're not going to have luxury. Okay? It's going to be hard. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father, because his father had just passed away. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Hey, he said it, not me, guys. Take it easy. There's an expectation there. In other words, I'm priority. Not what you think. My ways are different. I'm a priority. I'm going to give you salvation. Put me first. Everything will come into place. Amen? But look, there's another one. I think it's, you guys probably already read it. You guys aren't listening to me anymore. I'd rather you listen to Jesus than listen to me, all right? Verse 61 Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. I don't even need to preach with that, right? We should just do altar call because Jesus said so. In other words, 
your comfort is not a priority, church. Your comfort is not a priority, okay? You don't need to get things in order and then lift your hand in praise, okay? You don't need to get things in order, your finances, your relationships, know what happens now, okay? Now, why am I saying this? Because Jesus said it, and your salvation is sacred, and you need to unplug from things that are distracting you from this. You're probably like, well, this is, Jesus is mean. Yeah, he can be. He's going to judge you. Okay? He's going to judge you. If you read your Bible, Jesus gets really mean. Okay? But he is. He's going to judge you guys. And he's a tough, he's a tough person to impress. He really is. Your comfort's not a priority. Your time is not a priority. He doesn't want to wait for you. He wants you now. Okay? And another thing is, he, he loves people. He not only loves you, but he loves other people. That's what's at stake here. So that his salvation doesn't fall void. So that your salvation doesn't fall void. Get people saved because you're saved. Amen? Help people because you got helped. Pay it forward. If you didn't notice, Jesus likes that. that look, check this out in Luke chapter 14. Jesus said, Luke chapter 14, verse 12 through 14, he says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. In other words, it's not about repayment. Let's continue. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will, repay, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Mm. That's a tough one, right? I remember when I became a Bible study leader. Forgive me if you guys remember this story. I think I may have told it. I don't know. But I became a Bible study leader. You know, I, I have a group of people that are going to come listen to my Bible study. And you know what ends up happening? Other people start coming in. People you never met in your house. They're around your kids. They're around your wife. You don't know who they are. There are times, there are times where I've had people in my house that, you know, came out, came out of prison. And people are like, oh, what are we? It's like, you're just going to believe in God. Our house, this is, man, everyone's welcome in our house. You know, because Jesus is, Jesus is, he has our back. I ain't worried about it. You know, I'm not worried about it. I'll tell, I'm going to tell you another story. Can I tell you a story? I moved to Paramount uh, about five years ago. Best decision I ever made because I'm, I'm like three minutes down the street from my church, okay? And, and you know what? Church isn't that stressful anymore, you know? It really isn't. You know, I get like, oh, hey, it's time for church. Let's go. And then we're here in like three minutes. It's amazing. Go figure. <laughs> best thing I ever did. Seriously, best thing I ever did. Move close to my church, okay? So I moved there, and I'm like, well, you know, it's not the greatest area, you know? It's just not, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm around a lot of, I had to learn the area, you know, like, um, you know, there's some gangs, I had to learn their names, you know, I had to understand the tattoo, I'm not kidding you, you guys are laughing, but brothers in the church were looking out for me, they said, look, you know, you see a guy like this, like this, call me, it's not good, you know, I'm not kidding that, I'm not kidding, guys, I want to say some names, but I'm not going to put them out there, 
you guys are going to, no. But they were like, no, call me. You know, I, I appreciated that. So I had a little incident in the front yard. <laughs> had to go see what was up. I heard like a big bang, you know. It sounded, like, it sounded like an explosion, I'll be honest with you. So I go outside, and I see my neighbor, you know, and I'm looking at him, and he's talking to some other guy, and he's, you know, he's a little edgy, all right? And so I come out. I go, what's going on out here? I think my wife was looking at me through the kitchen window. I said, what's going on out here? And these guys are like, whoa, what's, who's this guy? And I realized I look square. Okay? I'm not dressed like them at all. You know, I'm fresh off the work. You know, I look good, clean cut. You know, there's not a tattoo on my body. You know, it, it's clear I did not grow up in the area. Okay? So... I go out there, and this guy's like, he goes, hey, man, who's this, man? I go, hey, how's it going? I'm Robert. You know, shaking his hand. I go, I go, what's going on out here? This guy's sweating. He's like, he's uneasy. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? You know, what's going on with you? You look all scared, man. I ain't going to do nothing to you. I'm not the cops. You know, it's like, and he's like, He's like, oh, no, 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 no disrespect, brother. No, no, we're good. We're good. I go, well, I just want to talk to you. I just met you. He's already backing off like they were in the conversation. I go, so I go, hey, man, I knew my neighbor. So I said, hey, man, what's going on? What was that noise? He goes, I don't know. Some kids are blowing dynamite over here on the end. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, why is he so nervous? You know, and I realized, you know what, man? I didn't have a fear in me. I just felt, you know what? God is going to take care of me. It don't matter. So you know what I started doing? You know what I started doing? I started praying around my building. I told my wife, look, we're going to have Bible study here. We've got we to clean this place up a little bit. <laughs> you know, people are over here like all, you know, edgy and, you know, everyone's, you know, got a vendetta or, you know, and then they see a square guy. They start freaking out like I'm going to arrest them or something. You know, I, after that, I never saw the guy again. I'll be honest with you, you know, and, and, um, but man, it just, so I started praying around the area. I was just talking to Pastor Omar. I think we've had the lowest crime rate, you told me, right? In Paramount last year, you know, but you could make a difference, you know, it's funny, but you in the Bible, you, you think about, um, Jericho, how they marched around the walls praying, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Go outside, go pray for your neighborhood. You know, I started praying for my neighborhood, man. I'd, I'd wake up early in the morning to go to work, and I'd see, man, I'd see some bad stuff, and I wouldn't tell my wife because I didn't want her to tell me, well, we got to move. I just bought this place. I ain't moving, you know. Like, I'm not going to tell her I just saw that. I had to get out of the car a couple times. Hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. You know, there's just a lot of things going on, man. And, and there's just, the enemy's got his hand on so many people. You know, and what the enemy's trying to do is sometimes he uses those people to scare you. But when you have Christ in you, don't get scared. Don't get scared. Don't show weakness with that. You know, you, you know let, you, let your, your little Christian ignorance a little bit. Let it to the forefront. It's okay. Yeah, you don't have the tattoos. Yeah, you're not from the neighborhood. I got Jesus in me. It's all right. What are you going to do to me? Talk to everybody. Back to the scripture. Talk to everybody. Invite those people into your home. 
Say, I don't care what your past is. I have, <laughs> I have another brother, man. And he just, he told me one time, he goes, you know, man, um, you know, because I've been having Bible study there for a while now. And he's like, you know what, bro? Um, I just want you to know, like, I smoke a little bit, you know. And uh, I go, hold on, I'm not asking you that. I'm not asking you that. He's just telling me this. He, he's, in my, he's in my neighborhood. He's like, you know, I smoke a little bit, you know. I, I got to get that right. And he's, like, confessing to me like I'm a priest, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, look, man, I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here. I don't, I don't care that you do that. Just, I'm just telling you, my, I have Bible study on Friday nights at my house. You can bring your family. I'll feed you. You know, I'm not like, oh, hey, you smoke? That's terrible. You know, I'm not like that. You know, people think like, well, you know, I started yelling at my wife. I can't come to Bible study. You know, we're just not in a good place in our marriage. Get your butt in Bible study. What are you talking about? Making up excuses that this life is too difficult to read the Bible. Get out of here, man. Don't, and that, you know what, man? People do that. And you're going to think that's okay sometimes. You're going to think, oh, you know, I'm just not feeling it. Well, my wife made me mad or, you know, my, my family's in disarray. I shouldn't go to Bible study. That's the enemy telling you that. You know what? Sometimes you need to go because you need to pray for your wife. You need to pray for your family. You need to pray. You need to be there to do those things. And guess what? You come, we'll pray with you. You know, we take prayer requests. Because we want to pray with you. Not because we want to know, oh, hey, what's going on in your life? <laughs> Come on, man. That's not how it works. We pray for each other. In this church, we pray for each other. Amen? In other words, speak to everyone. Because you got Christ in you, okay? So you need to show that to everybody. Not just people that look or act like you. I'm going to say it again. Don't do it to just people that look or act like you or have the same background or are from the same neighborhood. I'm from up north. I'm not even from here. Just so you guys know. Didn't grow up here at all. I grew up in the church in L.A. When I moved to L.A., I came to church. You know, and I, I met all kinds of people. Man, I got friends of all, you know, shapes, sizes, different backgrounds. I'm telling you, the church is a great place to meet people, and it's going to challenge you, okay? And it ends up affecting your work, because you start to realize, I talk to everybody, man. Engineers at work from Vietnam, engineers from, from India, I start talking to them, and they're like, hey, you're like the only one that talks to us. I'm like, well, sorry, man, I, I got a job to do, first of all, but second of all, I'm just not afraid of you, you know? <laughs> but sometimes we do that, we get afraid of each other's differences, you guys didn't know that. Because you're plugged in. You have stereotypes. And you feel like, oh, that person's like this. Or that person's like that. And you act like you know everything about them. You don't know anything about everybody, man. Okay? You just don't. You know? And you can relate to people on so many levels. Everybody feels sadness. Everyone feels a little angry. Everyone has marriage problems. Everyone has financial issues. People have issues. It doesn't matter what background you're from. So tell them, come to church. Come to church. Somebody help me with this. Come to church. So-and-so help me with this. He'll talk to you. He'll take a look at it. Or, you know, he'll fix your car. It doesn't matter what it is. Come to church. There's a lot of people here that are willing to serve you. Amen? I noticed, you know, fairly recent in my walk, like five years ago, when you start kind of helping people, your spirit gets... It gets all cuddly, and it feels good. 
You know, you're like, yeah. Man, I helped that guy. I feel good. You did some sacrifice. You sacrificed something for somebody. You actually did something right. You know, and I start feeling good. I'm like, I want to, what else can I do? You know, you start to realize there's something inside of you, folks. There's something that activates inside of you. When you start to give to people and you give to your church and you give, you start giving and you start doing things, it should activate something inside of you to do, to do it more. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, talking about sacrifice, this is Jesus talking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Everything gone because of what he felt, because of what he found. It wasn't a monetary value. It was a feeling. I truly believe it was a feeling. He found something that fixed him. So he sold everything. It's a sacrifice. I don't know if you realize it, but our humanity, humanity's relationship with God is built on sacrifice. And it started with Christ sacrificing his life. That's the foundation. The foundation is sacrifice. So what have you sacrificed to protect your spirituality lately? That's my challenge to you as your brother, not your pastor, not your leader, as your brother. What have you sacrificed recently that increased your spirituality? What have you given up? You know, what have you done recently to say, you know what, I need to change something? Because if you're going through the motions over and over again, then you need to change something. Remember, I told you, it's not just what's in here. There's an action that Christ expects, okay? Go do something. Go do something. Go pray for somebody. You see people on the altar here? Well, if you come to this church, you better see it because this altar was packed for worship. I don't know if you noticed that. When you see people here, pray for them. You don't have to go up to them and, you know, speak life into their ear or anything. You could do it. Pray for them. Come up. Put your hand on their shoulder. Touch them. Pray for them. Lay hands on them. The Bible talks about it. Pray for them. Because when you do that, remember that giving thing I told you about that makes me feel good? You'll start to feel good. You're going to go home different, I guarantee you. And it wasn't the sermon that did it. It's you that did it. It was you that did it. It was like, you know what? I'm going to go pray for this guy. I'm all jacked up. I need to pray. It's okay. Because the time's now. You're not going to wait. Well, I got to get, you know, I got to get right. I got to read Genesis and then read Matthew. And then um, I got to learn a little bit about the Beatitudes and then learn about the Transfiguration. And, I'm, and then, I, and then I, maybe I could pray for people. No, you do it now. Amen? You do it now. You don't have to say, oh, the leaders, the leaders, they need to pray for these people. You pray for them. You pray for them. I remember... Um, I've been coming to this church for a long time. I remember Fresh Fire. We used to have the kid. you know, it's great. You learn a lot working with kids, okay? And, and the kids, you know, they're, they're so young, and it's awesome. It really is. But they're just like, you know, you tell them, like, hey, if somebody goes up there and they want salvation, you need to go and pray for You tell the usher that, right? And he's, okay, okay. You know, nervous guy. You know, all right, I'll pray for them. And then it happens, and they're like, I don't even know what to say. Rob, I was going to go, but I just looked at you because I didn't know what to say. I was in youth ministry for a while here. And I'm like, oh, okay, listen, listen. I know you got scared, but when you go up there, you do you. But I'm going to show you what I do because I do me 
You do you. Okay? I want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to pretend to be me when you're there. It's called discipleship. I want you to do this. I want you to just tell them, hey, I want to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Oh, that, I just pray for what they tell me? Yeah, that's exactly what you do. And then they'll tell you, and it gets easier after that. Because now you could say, okay, look, I'm going to pray that the Lord just take over your life, man. Can I pray for you on that? Yeah, okay, let's go. Repeat after me. But then what do I say? You just tell, you know, you got to teach people, man. You know? And, and that's how it works. That's how the kingdom operates. And remember I told you you're giving something? When you're giving discipleship like that to people, it makes you feel good. And your faith is all strengthened now. All because it started with just a timid person or a timid child. You know, you're just trying to teach them. Some of you adults, you need to teach these kids, man. They need you. You know, they need you. You, you know, you can't always put it on the leaders. You can't always put it on the, You know, teach them. I always say, you see a problem in the church, be the solution. Don't go look for the solution. Let me, oh, so-and-so is really good at that. Let me find them. You know, or I, I've heard this one time, you know, well, you know, I'm not good at the salvation prayer, so just send so-and-so up there because he's really good at it, and the Lord's touched him in that area. And it's like, dude, you're not, you're not, that does, that's not getting by me, bro. You're just being lazy in the spirit now. Go talk to some people, right? Go talk to some people. In Luke chapter 9, I'm going to close with this. I think I ran out of time. Uh-oh. I'm going to close with this. If I can have the worship team come up. You guys see me doing this, aerobics? I couldn't see the clock, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I want to keep you guys' attention because Jesus is talking. When Jesus is talking and you're reading your Bible, pay attention. You guys with me? His text is usually in red for some Bibles, okay? If it's not in red, it'll say, Jesus says, okay? But Jesus is talking. He says this, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's a little backwards when you first read it. It's supposed to be. I'm going to read it again. For whoever, verse 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Church, I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest form of worship is your obedience. See, it was disobedience that brought sin into the world, and it's obedience that's going to save the world. Christ being obedient. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.